Hi, Jeff. How are you? I am well, thank you, and happy to be here with you. I am so excited to have you on the Positive Spark Plug podcast. I am um, so floored to learn about you and to learn all about your specialty and the beautifulness that you bring to the world through yoga and learn all about it and how it's such a powerful gift and how you know, people should be enhancing it and bringing it into their life in some form from either small to big, because that's what you, you, you help people learn to do and how it really does just from the tiniest little amount to the biggest amount really does affect your life. And uh, I'm excited to learn all about it. So thank you for uh, reaching out to me and, and wanting to be a guest on my, my podcast and wanting to share all your values and the way that you serve to the world. So thank you very much. Yeah, my pleasure. It's it's a journey for me. It's a journey for all of us who choose to embark on a on a path of growth, of development, of evolution to really be a process, right? That's a big thing for me is waking up to the idea, to the to the belief that I am in an evolutionary process, my own self, my own being. And yoga has been a tremendous part of that. In fact, I often refer to yoga we have this concept of yoga in the West. A lot, a lot of uh, misconception around the practice of yoga in the West is simply what we do in a studio and we do a physical activity called yoga, right? And yes. I work really intentionally on uh, dismantling that perception that yoga is just what we would do physically because yoga is thousands of years old and I often refer to yoga as OG self-development. It, it has been around for thousands of years because it is a tool for human consciousness evolution. And from the very beginning, that's what it was about. And from the very beginning, it was much less about moving our bodies in a certain way, although that's certainly a part of it. It was much more about how can I evolve? How can I know myself? The word yoga in Sanskrit, a thousands of years old language, uh, literally means to yoke, to bring together. So to bring mind connecting to the body, being in the present moment. So we could say that that yoga is more than um, something we do. It's it's really an experience. So to be in yoga is to be connected with the present moment, to be oneself in the present moment. So it's really a, it's a tool that we can use and it's a path. It is a pathway. And for me, yoga came in my life. It's often funny to think did I, did I find yoga or did yoga find me right oh and, yeah yeah exactly and in in a certain a very special time in my life i realized that what i had been doing in my life was not serving me and what i was doing at that time was i was an engineer i was in i was in a program as a master student and for years, I had an idea that I would be an academic and I would be using the, the field of engineering as my, well, one reason was for significance, for status, for the idea that that's often thrust upon us in our Western culture of, um, you know, you do this job and it's accepted in society and you'll make good money. All of yeah. these different, you know, things were there in my awareness. And I realized that I, I actually allowed myself to realize that it wasn't serving me. And, and that was its own process in itself. Because even before that realization, I was searching, I was subconsciously looking for something 
that was more meaningful, more deep. And asking the question, like, is this it? Is this it in life in a very, uh, in a way that was very empty, in a way that I felt like there's got to be more to it than this. And so simply having that quality of curiosity and energy sparked a search of what is more meaningful in my life. And I noticed that in my early 20s, a lot of conversations revolved around how can I contribute? How can I do something of value? So I started to recognize in myself that this is something that is um, a deep personality trait more than the superficial layers of conditioning of what I should be and what I think I should be and what society says I should be. And well, within that line of inquiry, I read a lot of self-development books, a lot of self-help books, trying to connect the dots for myself because I too wanted this for myself. I wanted to feel and experience more in life, more happiness, more richness, more joy. And what my experience was, wasn't aligning with that. So uh, it took a lot of time and it took a lot of layers to come off before finally I moved into a space where I, I, I suppose I was open to what yoga had to offer. That's it. I was open to what yoga had to offer in a, in a much bigger context. Okay. Because while I went on a, weight, a big weight loss journey in my early 20s, and we can talk about that too. That's something I'm excited to share about. And yoga was a part of, you know, going to a yoga class because I was more into running and more into fitness. And it was so much more about the physical aspect of yoga than the more the deeper uh, spiritual self-development evolution principles, yeah. practices, um, notions of yoga that I'm talking about now. And I gave up on the, the engineering. I, I let it go. And that was a difficult, on one hand, it was a difficult decision because I had a lot of pride and ego invested in that. On yes. the other hand, it was the most uh, inspired and open decision I ever made because as soon as that happened, so many things started going much more in alignment with what I wanted, which was to simply share health and wellness with the world and to go continue that journey for myself. So I remember walking into a yoga studio in London in the UK where I was simply there for the sake of wanting to reach out and connect with community. And when I connected with that community, a whole lot of things started to blossom. Are you there? Yeah. Okay, the screen froze. Good, so sorry about that. Um, yeah, so basically allowing the place, the space in my life to go on that journey and I found, or yoga found me. So it's been a very profound practice and evolution so far. Yeah, I wanted to, I've written a bunch of little words that I want to dive into a little bit and definitely want to get into your weight loss journey and, and how that kind of, you know, maybe advanced and helped progress you into, into the yoga world and stuff like that and how you kind of maybe use it in, in your yoga. Um, but did you, at, in your journey, were you finding at first that there were like little, like, cues like what was like the first kind of like pivoting point like or major cue that was like whoa this is yeah this is definitely not where I should be 
or yeah. a cue that was like this is something that I need to pursue like either one where it's like I can't be doing this anymore or one where it's like this I have like if I don't do this I'm going to I'm going to be miserable like I know I'm right. gonna I'm gonna regret it such a good question yes yes absolutely I remember a few very specific moments and this, these are like, I want to just say, the, we all have moments like this. If we're living out of alignment, there's something in us that is wanting, pulling us. Yes. Our deepest desire is wanting to come up. And it's, if we're unwilling to listen to that for many years, it's, it's going to catch up with us. I really believe this. It's going yes. to, the, the universe has its way of putting us in our place and in in, it's our own human, you know, choice or free will to to go with that and to live in alignment and there's a lot of freedom there's there is freedom in that real freedom so one of the most defining moments was when i had i was still in college and i was in the third year of my program and it was a very i was attending a very rigorous and prestigious school for engineering and of course you know a lot of pride is involved in that and i it felt like i had you know, work my whole life to be at this place and, and to, you know, have this prestige and everything like that. And yeah. this was shortly after, uh, you know, the, the big, the main part of my weight loss journey. And I was walking up the hill to go to the gym to teach an indoor cycling class. And I was teaching spin classes. And that gave me so much joy, honestly, to, te- to teach, to be in front of people, to share with enthusiasm, uh, a workout. And I remember walking up the hill and the thought popped in my head and this is what it would look like. So for any of you listening, this is, this is one way it could look for you is like these messages from, from deep within. And, and the thought just popped up into my head as I was thinking in the concept, concept, context of my career at the, to this point um, of academia, the thought popped into my head of, I never, really liked any of this anyway it's something to that effect i never liked any of this anyway and i was thinking about my courses and and my work and and the general you know experience of my career in engineering up to that point and what a what an earth-shaking thought to have pop into awareness to to allow that to come in and entertain it and to and to you know, welcome that thought and be curious about it rather than push it down. Because I imagine many, many times before that something similar popped in and I just smacked it aside. All all my conditioning, everything that told me I should be like this and I should be doing this, just smacked thoughts like that out of my field of consciousness. But in this particular moment, I thought up, thought I never liked any of this anyway. And it was, um, that thought stayed in my field of awareness for for a little bit more time than the others had and it gave me pause it gave me pause to consider okay so what path am i choosing really and you know that thought stayed with me long enough for me to continue working on myself and continue following what was at that time really my bliss of health and wellness and sharing it and being a part of communities that were around fitness. So it wasn't until a couple of years later, really, that I had started a master's degree when everything started falling, you know, the the weight of my decision started to catch up with me. 
And I had completely lost, I'm telling you, I had lost the will to be a student, to, to be a student in this field. And that was catching up with me. And my courses felt like tons of bricks on my shoulders, the feeling behind on projects and everything like that was really weighing heavy on me. And I, I recognized in myself, I like simply lost the will to continue this path. And it was something that was really, it was compressing me. It was compressing me so much. And so one day walking back from a class with my head completely in the gutter around every, you know, doomsday, everything that's, that's crashing down on me, all, all the late assignments and homework that I don't even understand what's going on. Yeah. I look over to the soccer field. I look over to the, the soccer field and on this particular soccer field, which I was walking past, I had created a community at this particular campus around fitness. And, and this was a campus in France and they didn't have, it was a small campus and they didn't have any group fitness there. So I took it upon myself to, to create that and inviting in students, was able to share boot camps, have running. Um, a friend of mine was teaching yoga. So we created this small community around health and fitness. And I did it because I loved it. And I yeah. did it in spite of all the coursework that I was you know, pushing to the side. This is what I really liked. And in that moment, feeling really heavy and with a like a, a grave mindset, I look over to the soccer field and I felt the, the lightness because I, I had all the associated feelings of all the beautiful experiences had there around group fitness and uh, working out together and doing all that. And it was a watershed moment. It was, it was such a significant shift in my awareness going from this heaviness to this lightness that it, I could not help but honor that feeling and honor that experience and, and really be like, whoa, what was that about? So in that moment, I really recognized it was a fork in the road. And I said, I can go towards that, which is really, I really love it. And I can, I can give myself that. I can allow myself permission to pursue that field and to really pursue that dream. Um, at that time it was teaching, it was simple, as simple as teaching group fitness. And it, it allowed me to, to really let go of the pride of everything that I had worked toward at that point. And, and really in that moment was when I made the decision, I was going to quit engineering. I didn't know, uh, you know, at this point I'd invested five or six years, uh, in engineering and the academia and internships and working and things like that. I didn't know what I would do. I, all I knew was I was going to teach group fitness. And that was it. And, th and that in and, and that moment, it was enough. And it was really special for to, to be met with that. It, this is enough. Because when we pursue fields like this, that we put on a pedestal or pathways that we put on a pedestal because of the pressures or the conditioning that we're receiving from society from media, at least in my case, also, uh, what felt like pressure from my mother um, to pursue this kind of field this this direction in life um there's a certain pride a certain ego that comes with that of i i felt like it wasn't good enough for me to do that and i had to let that go and it was the most significant moment in my life really uh as, in terms of moments really the the weight loss journey incredibly significant my my journey with 
with yoga and meditation incredibly significant and and those are much more drawn out long processes this was a moment and in that moment i recognized that this is what i need to do and i built into that was this really the reckoning that i'm not happy with what i'm doing I had read so many, at that point, so many self-development books, like working on my mindset, working on understanding why my habits the way they are. Why is my relationship with food the way it is? I want to, I want to feel free. I want to, there was this pressure that I was trying to, to find a valve to let go of this pressure. And a couple of times before that, I, I had these very, I had these deep and, um, empty at the same time, empty feelings, having gone on a journey so far of searching, is this all there is? Is this it? Like, I know, I know that I've read enough books to see the through lines and understand creating new habits in my life and wanting to live this kind of life. And I still feel this emptiness. Yes. Feel this emptiness. And that comes from not embodying what was authentic to me. And that's really special because I can I can relate with somebody who's reading the books and trying to figure it all out and thinking that if I just know the information that that will be enough, if I just do these things that that will be enough without addressing the elephant in the room. And a lot of times there's an irony that there's an elephant in the room and we're refusing to look at it and recognize it and acknowledge it. And really all it just wants is an acknowledgement. It just wants to be seen. And so thank goodness for those moments. Thank goodness for all the the difficulty, the challenge, the adversity I felt within myself leading up to that moment, because it was enough. It was enough for me to break the illusion within myself that, that I couldn't be what I wanted to be because it wasn't good enough or something like that, because society wouldn't deem that right. Or because my, I would disappoint my parents or something to that effect. So yeah, I definitely had moments like that and definitely had whispers like that. And so with anybody talking to me about a journey like this, it's like, what are, what are the whispers? What are the whispers? And are you giving the, the elephant in your room, metaphorically, the light of day? Are you giving it love? Are you waking up to the fact that there's this big thing that's asking you to, to pursue? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, is sometimes people are expecting this like big shout for what they're supposed yeah. to be doing. It. And it's like, no, sometimes it's that, that tiny whisper that constantly is just like, just speaks one thing over and over again to you. And you're like, like, you just keep hearing it or you keep feeling it. I want to talk about the, I want to talk about like identity because it kind of sound like for a while there it was like a challenge for you to figure out really what and how like not what but like it was a struggle for you to figure out who you wanted to bring yourself into the world as because you were getting told so many things right you had the pursuit of your engineering and your parents and your ear and your mom and like your own kind of like this is what I want to do but this is where I have the passion do you believe that within not only having the 
the fear of having a certain identity, but that comes with what brings the exhaustion that people have in the, like in the world, not just like, oh, I'm tired, but like people are living exhausted mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, like they're living exhausted now. And do you think it's because they're trying to withhold this identity that was like given to them or told that they have to be or they feel that they have to be and like how did you start to really know who you were and how to pursue that and not just go okay that's not me that's someone that's someone I was told I had to be like how did you really discover yourself yeah I well I'm still discovering myself and that's the big takeaway is we do tend to and there are many myself included in the past who want to at, at a great energetic expense a, a tremendous energetic expense maintain this illusion maintain this facade main an identity and and i was it was in my i could feel it in my nervous system at the time like the the, the weight of it and the the drain that it was to continue portraying an image that I that I thought I needed to portray is an incredible energetic expenditure. And so what shifted was the I don't know myself. Right? It's it's the yeah, yeah. even like when even if we're reading books and even if we're there's a there's a certain quality to our evolutionary process, our process of self-knowing that requires an act. It requires an act and, and it requires sometimes an act of destruction and sometimes an act of creation. And that's, the, those are part of it. And so the, the idea, and this is a, this is what we, we really love to talk about, especially when we're talking about language and how we create our identities. And if, if we're asleep at that, then we'll let everything outside of us run that and we will partake in the play in the in the drama of holding that up yes if if i wake up when i woke up to it i was a I, I let myself let go of that i let myself be become a student more to life more to my experience more to my a, a student to my own curiosity yes that a student to my own curiosity so that i I no longer, I dropped thinking I knew. I dropped thinking I knew what was up. And then when I dropped that, I, I allowed everything that was there waiting to come in to come in. And that, yeah. and that seems incredibly, it could seem an, an abstract concept of letting what is there come in. And it's recognizing that, okay, having the self-inquiry, having the self-dialogue of what am I, holding up what am i holding up and portraying that needs to be let go of or what isn't serving me questions like this and being willing to entertain and walk that path of questioning until something shifts and what really became transformative is you know i told you about this very pivotal moment in my life that moment i can really put a pin in it and draw the pull the thread to where I walked into that yoga studio that changed my life, because I, really I was I moved to London in the UK 
for the sake of pursuing that of I want to teach group fitness. London has a rad group fitness scene. Awesome. Tons of studios. Yoga wasn't even in my field. Like I didn't think about becoming a yoga teacher at that yeah. point. I wanted to teach spin classes. I wanted to teach boot camp. And I walked into that yoga studio and it's really directed, you know, I see, I see it that thread is pulling from that moment where I made that decision to just to let go to to follow something that I was really not sure about, but sure that I knew was more in alignment with me. And the yoga practice itself was transformational. So I, I talk often about weight loss journey and how transformational that was at a physical level. People can see that transformation, but it's the transformation inside that that we might not even see ourselves in real time. Only over time and iteration and, and walking our path can we see that transformation for as big and as beautiful as it is. The weight loss trans, tra, um, transformation is something that's like the the our outwardly oriented perception. We're always looking for things to happen on the outside. Yes. We can see weight loss. We can see yes. it. It's it's there. It's apparent. When things happen on the inside, it's for me, it's even more magnificent because the world changes. The world yes. changes in, in my experience of myself and the world changes. And what yoga did for me, what that community and, and what my continued yoga practice has done for me has allowed me to embody, embody the change that I was reading about in books. And I was trying so hard, like it, it, was, it was just at the information level. And this is what I want people to connect with is like, information is just information. It's, it's not going to change you unless you are willing to change something in your life, unless you're willing to find a way to embody these practices, which are talking about creating change. So, so, so many self-development books start off with, you have to participate in this in order to get the experience. So you yes. have to dig, you have to dig in order to get the gold. You, you can't yeah. just sit there and look at the map where the X is and be like, well, where's the gold? We've got to dig to get the gold. And, and for me, the yoga practice and, and being a part of that uh, community in, in London really helped me integrate so many of the things I learned at the information level because I was embodying it as a, as a physical practice. So it's bringing what's in the mind into the body. In addition to that, the yoga practice helps us to become more present, more present. And presence was something that completely eluded me because presence is something that we we meet we meet it this is yoga we meet it in the present moment presence is something we experience and funny enough i i know how it was eluding me i know how i was missing the big picture when i had a conversation with my dad years prior about you know the through one of the through lines to so many self development books is the value of being present and i asked my dad well, what's what's so special about the present moment i'm here aren't i and I said that with the complete dissonance, the complete disconnection of thinking, if my body is here, aren't I here? Completely dismissing the fact, dis really dismissing the awareness of, of, of my mind. And so when I started practicing yoga, I became more aware that my mind is everywhere. Yes. My mind is everywhere. How can I make it present? How can I, you know, through my senses experience this moment Yes. Profound experience, as simple as it sounds. Mindfulness is profound. It's it's stripping away all those layers and just being in this moment. 
And so when I started to realize how disconnected I was from that present moment before, I started to value it and cherish it even more and realize, whoa, there's no ceiling to this. There's no ceiling to this. And in my engineering career and my ideas of what academia was for me and what I would be doing, there was always a ceiling. There was always some kind of ceiling there. Yes. When I started practicing yoga and when I started really bringing in into my life this OG self-development because it was working on my consciousness, yoga works, period. I saw no ceiling. And it was the first time that I felt like, wow, this is it. I can, I can trust this practice with my whole life. I can bring everything that I am to this practice and let it work on me and trust my process through that. And so that is, that is really in a nutshell, opened up so much myself to willingness, to willingness to participate in my life and to be engaged in my life, rather than being a bystander, like we talk about our mindset, thinking that, you know, everything's gonna happen to me. Yoga has taught me how to co-create. And meditation too. Only for me, only in, in waking up to the present moment, have I been able to download the meaning of what it is to co-create, what it, what it is to be in this moment and then choose with my own free will what my next steps are and, and, and the absolute magnitude of that knowing that I'm choosing and creating my life. Yes. There's, there's nothing more rich to, than that for me. There's nothing, I can, I can let that operate through me and the rest can take care of itself. I've got no no business in the rest of if anything else other than co-creating and, and being a part of my own my own creation. Yeah. I want to talk about that. Yeah, that's so on your journey that so you moved you moved to do fitness, right? Now I want to talk about how you just like you that you kind of just knew that's what you wanted to do. How important is it for people to really, you know, not just fly off the whim, like, oh, I, I heard myself say that once, so I got to go do it. How important is it for people to really know when something has been speaking to them and how do they like bring it into their body, into their mind, into their soul so that when they are making a big step, like moving somewhere to find a job in the fitness, not knowing all the steps, not knowing really exactly how it's going to go. They just know that they need to do it. How do you get to that process? How do you bring it in? So it's something where it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, there might be a little bit of nervousness or fear moving, but it's a, it's a known thing that they have to do. How do you get to that point? How to get to this point where we are, we are making steps on that new path, that path yeah. into uncertainty, that path into the unknowing. Yes. With, with this knowing or deep sense, so that, so it's, it's recognizing the deep sense internally that this is what I want to do, right? Getting ourselves to that position to honor that is the first big work. It's the first big work. So, taking time to these are seeds essentially these are seeds okay. that we that we plant right it starts as a whisper do i choose and this is what we're we're looking at when we talk about meditation and awareness 
and recognizing our role in creating our identity, recognizing our role and and being a co-creator in our life, a lot, you know, manufacturing our destiny. Yeah. Um, recognize what are seeds, right? And then water them. So give give them attention and energy. And this this idea of attention is the idea. It's the same thing as energy. It, what we give our attention to is what we are giving our energy to. And soon enough, watering the seeds, giving them our attention, sprouts something. Now, the next steps are to simply, what's the, what is the, you know, you can throw a Hail Mary and see what happens, or you can start taking one little step at a time towards that end. You can take one small step at that. Some people want to throw a Hail Mary and that works great. Some people want to take it one step at a time. I, I really honor each person in their individual process. And I've, I've learned that I'm, I'm uniquely me and you are uniquely you. And, and the person listening to this, that you're uniquely you. You're going to do it your way. You are going to do it your way and celebrate that. However, the, the fundamental mechanism that we all share is recognizing that where we put our attention is where we are giving our energy, how to grow and how to become more, uh, more fluid with, with, with where, where we are putting our attention. For me, a meditation practice or a journaling practice or simple paying attention to where I am giving my attention practice could be writing it down, could be checking in. Notice, notice where you're giving your attention more often. Are you watering those seeds? Are you uh, putting energy towards that? And so eventually, the field of thought grows and then it wants to take action. So without the, the, the act of making it happen in this 3D embodied reality that we are, we won't manifest anything. So it starts in a different reality. It starts in our mind. It starts in our idea, but we want to pull it from our mind, our head and move it into our heart, into our emotions. So how can I become more emotionally aligned with that which I want to, to create, what, what I want to have happen. And when we're emotionally aligned with something, when it really matters, that's when we start to take action. That's when we are willing to embrace the unknown. And that's even when we look at the unknown as this uh, tremendous vehicle of possibility and potential, rather than something to fear, it becomes, wow, this is where everything I want is. It's in the unknown. I'm just gonna take one step at a time and go there. So it could be, for some, it could be a huge life change. And that's beautiful. For some, it could be a, a small one step at a time process over years. I've experienced uh, both of those. I've experienced huge dramatic life changes, quitting a, you know something I've invested years of my life into for, for a, a seemingly different path. And while being on that path, a slow drip, process of change of evolution of of you know this is what i know now and this is where i know i want to go and knowing that each step i take each time i practice yoga each time i meditate each time i schedule a workshop or a schedule to teach a yoga class or um work on uh training yoga teachers all these things i do now every part of every time i do that it is reinforcing this new identity, which I really like. I want this identity. I love this identity. I'm choosing yes. this, this way of being. So in terms of 
getting into the unknown and 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 having the fear come up how we are relating to that fear is essential so how we are relating to those emotions is essential one thing that i really love that uh, serves me well is this idea of a point in time right now i you and i and everybody listening we are a point in time yeah. we are a point in time and from this moment our free will lets us choose which timeline we could go into and there's infinite timelines there's infinite possibilities there, there really is so we can let go already this idea that it, it needs to be this way or it's supposed to be this way or i'm um, a victim of the of the world happening to me in that moment as a dot in time comes alive the ability to choose what's next and so we can project that timeline way into the future or we can just look at the next 30 minutes and say am i living a higher timeline am i am i taking steps in a way that's going to serve me in a way that i'll feel satisfied with how i spent that time and if i i really believe in iterating that over small you know waking up in the moment ah here i now have uh the field of time before me and my actions are 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 still to to happen what actions do i want to choose and so iterating that over time then we're creating then we're creating and a lot of the fear comes from a lot of the uncertainty and the fear and the doubt comes from the previous programming and what are we doing when we choose a higher timeline but but overriding that programming and so I don't, I don't talk about the highest timeline. I don't talk about the best self. I just want the one, the one degree difference, yeah. the two degree difference over time. Let that, let that unfold over time. And, and then we are co-creating, then you're a magician and you're in your power. And so this is the beautiful thing is that when we start breaking down that old program, the, the, the old subconscious conditioned in belief system about how we're supposed to be, of course, of course, all our insecurities are going to present them to ourselves. And so, so having the relationship that these insecurities are presenting myself as the way, this is the way, this is the reprogramming. Now, do I choose what's on the other side of that or not? Yes or no? Yes. Then I then I will go this way, and I will explore what what is behind these insecurities, and the, and again the the yoga practice, the meditation practice, the the, the self development practice gives us countless tools on how I relate and how I operate with when these things show up. I'm telling you, if you're letting yourself feel those insecurities, if you're letting yourself have that moment of fear while you're acting towards a higher self, a higher timeline, a higher vision that is beautiful that is sacred that is the the richest for me the richest life possible because you'll look back i look back and think those moments of heightened intensity those moments of fear of doubt of of not knowing what the hell i was doing are the the moments i feel the most alive yes They're the moments yeah. that, are, that are where i am alive so yeah if we can so i i i aim to live in a way that's inspiring and share and you know to be inspiring to others so I, I walk the path of being inspiring to myself to be inspired myself and really love each person in their own process of looking at me and saying well 
how do I do that? And I'm saying, can, bring it back to yourself. It's so yeah. easy to, to um, let the people that are living their, living their life empowered in an inspired way um, think that we have to do it like them. And, it, and we really just want to bring it into ourselves and be, in your, be inspired by yourself. Be inspired from yourself. Yes. And let that yeah. fuel the relationship to these inevitable human experience insecurities of when we're reprogramming all that condition, all that conditioning and love yes. that process. Yeah. Yeah. Within, within, you know, reframing the process and, and our identity and stuff, um, we, we have this, we all have this thing, and I just learned it in my certification, we have this reticular, reticular activator system, right, and it's meant to help us, but it also does cause us some Hello. Hey, I can hear you. Okay. Um, yeah, so we have this reticulator, reticular activator system in um, programmed in us, and it helps us, but it does also harm us if we are not careful. Um, meaning it helps edit out things and it helps us bring in things so it helps kind of amplify up things and then also edit out things so if we believe that we are a certain thing it's going to amplify anything that is going to agree with us and make us go yep see that's why i believe that about myself and if anything comes at us that might switch it up or make us think different <laughs> or make us go huh it's gonna go what going to like pimp it out of the way pimp smack it out <laughs> of the way <laughs> get out of here it's going to want to do that really quickly so how how does somebody understand Uh, I lost the audio there for a second. So how does somebody? So how does like, cause once like, so how does somebody um, become aware of, of what is happening within that? Because it's really, it, it happens really quick. Yes. And within the amount of time it wants to swat away the belief, or even if we're in the middle of like, we're on a roll, we're like we're doing good. And all of a sudden something pops up, this big thing, this big reminder that, you know, brings us, wants to bring us back to our old self. How do we not go that way? Or yes. how do we understand that? Like, no, we need to keep moving. Like, how do we avert ourselves from falling back into that process? Super valuable question. And so there's this, there's an aspect of our, I would call it an aspect of our ego is the rectic, the uh, reticular activating system where we are, uh shaping our future based on what we are putting our attention towards and the 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 operation of this the the old operating system is to keep us alive 
It's to be aware of threats, to be aware of things that threaten us, uh, both physical and mortal threat, but also very much socially, things that socially threaten us. And so everything today is more to do with what's socially threatening to us because very few of us are really have our lives at stake. We are, you, our needs in terms of physical life are met. And so we're no longer looking at what's threatening our physical health or physical life, although some of us could be looking at that. Um, we're more looking at what's in, uh, threatening our social life, right? And it's this idea that if I do something that goes against the herd or the pack, that I could be socially outcast. So that's where the reticular activating system is rooted, that biologically, evolutionarily, that's why we have that particular mechanism is to keep us alive. So the magic, the, the power that we have rests in our ability to be present. I want to say that I want to, I want to front load before I talk more about what we can do with that is to say that for me, the best way to grow and to become more present is a, is a mindful movement practice and a meditation practice. Uh, so mindful movement can be yoga or it can be anything that we do very aware and conscious in our body. Meditation, when we sit down, we sit with ourselves and we, we simply become an observer. We recognize our ability to be with the observer, simply seeing the thoughts that are unfolding rather than choosing to latch on to those thoughts as beliefs. Right. So I, I, I elevate myself to the, the, the seat of the observer. And when I'm there, I'm no longer any of this Jeff stuff. I'm no longer any of it. I'm simply yeah. watching it. I'm simply seeing it. So it's within the awareness that, that we have this mechanism within us editing out uh, the things that we're choosing not to see and bringing in the things we choose to see. If I can expand that that window of awareness of understanding the the biofeedback I'm getting, I'm feeling around something, then I can I can I can open I can crack the system, I can hack into it and see, all right, what am I ruling out? Where is my attention going unconsciously? And how can I um, intervene? So because I'm present, I have my free will again celebrate free will we have it how can i intervene and then choose again so working with the the awareness of the uh, reticular activating system working with their awareness that so much of where our attention goes is unconsciously it's meaning it's not in our conscious awareness yep It's, it's facilitated much more by what's happening unconsciously and that's deep work that's deep work so that's uh these movement practices, these ancient practices from um, traditions that are much older than us knew this, they, they understood the mechanics of the unconscious and how to, how to work with that and to um, remove the dysfunctional patterns and everything like that, and to become more conscious. So within that moment of awareness, yeah. we can really, we can open up and say, all right, how, how do I want to reprogram this movement, this moment? Uh, what am I choosing? And let that be like, so that is a, that is a practice that is a practice and something we cultivate over time is recognizing first, I, at first, the most obvious thing that comes to mind is what triggered, what feeling triggered. So I feel threatened to, to simply, I feel threatened by somebody's uh, opinion on something. This is 
this is gold for today's age. I yeah. feel threatened by somebody's opinion on something. That feeling is a threat. Now we would tend to react with the unconscious programming. Yeah. We would tend to project onto them every all our thoughts and beliefs about the subject if we feel threatened and make them the enemy. Yes. However that looks, right? Yep. So if I if I can slow that process down by being much more aware, then I can intercept, I can be with the trigger, I can be with that experience and say, okay, what am I feeling now? And what what it what am I ruling out right now? What am I projecting right now? What do what do I want to do with this? And so a great thing to do with this is to come back and regulate the nervous system. So take a deep breath. So slow down the whole moment. And then we're 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 more in the pilot seat at this point. So it's a, it's a very valuable tool and mechanism. And when we do this, we're open. So I'm 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 now open and and not attached, rigidly attached to my ideas and my beliefs and everything that's you know reinforcing my identity. I can become fluid again. I can become like a river. I can, I can take in new information. I can adapt, right? Yes. And it's, it's not about adapting ourselves to other people's beliefs ever. It's about really taking that in and allowing it to inform and, and how does it, is it congruent with our authenticity, right? Yeah. And then I can still, I can still stay in my power and maintain myself. But oftentimes when, and today when we're challenged by somebody else's opinion or somebody else's belief system or somebody else's actions, we get so threatened that we immediately go into a fight or flight. We immediately yeah. want to uh, you know, cr create the scenario where they're wrong and I'm right. Yep. And that what we're doing by that is we're bypassing the vulnerability of connection. We're yeah. bypassing the vulnerability of connection because there is fear there. There is fear that if they're right, then I, then everything I know is compromised. Yes. Right. Or if, wrong. I failed. If, exactly. So, so to engage in that as a, this is what humility is. This is what being humble is. Yes. This is, dro this is dropping what we know and listening. And it's essential. It, it, we, this is what we need in, in our world today so much. And it's, it's rooted in how aware, how present can I be? How well can I regulate my system and put my ego on the shelf? How well can I be open to having a conversation? And these are things, and I, I think it's greatly influenced by our relationship with technology, with being behind a screen, because we lose that, we lose that real time biofeedback of being with another person and the vulnerability that's there. We are, we are afraid, we are so afraid culturally to be vulnerable, to be in the vulnerability where our insecurities are there. And because yeah. we've, because it's gone so much time, because we've gone, I'm speaking for, I'm speaking globally in terms of we, yeah. but because that, that process has come so far down that even vulnerability is terrifying Yeah. because it's threatening what we think we know. And, and we spend so much time with the information. We spend so much time informing our beliefs and, and continuing to pile on to our identity and, and reinforcing our beliefs. The reticular activating system is the same thing as confirmation bias. It's like, I only want to reinforce what I think I know. And I want to yeah. keep building that big castle. And so somebody else presents um, 
you know, a catapult waiting on the, the other, the other end of the moat, and they're going to launch that ball, the firing ball over. It's like, oh my God, no. Yeah. And so that, that is the moment of when we're triggered and we're in a, in a state that if we can meet that with just simply acknowledging that that's there, then our capacity to transform both for ourselves and the other is, is increased tremendously. And it's so beautiful. This is what life is about for me. Yes. Take away all the, you know, all the perception of what, a, what our best life is and simply just being in that moment in a, in a conflict or in a, in a challenge and then willingness to bring my whole self there rather than my ego is so powerful, so beautiful. And it leads to the deepest connection. It, it leads to the, the most beautiful bridges being built, the most beautiful understandings, compassion. All of these things come from that. And it all comes from that moment, that window of, of reckoning of this is what I'm feeling. Let me expand into this and, and down-regulate myself and really be here rather than react, yeah. rather than go into, you know, throwing the weaponry. So that's a huge thing. And I think it's, it's a really good question. And what I want people, what I want to share with people, inspire other people and, and embody for myself, because I know in myself, the more aware I become, the more aware of how often little things trigger me. And then I can become, you know, even more skillful at allowing myself to be open in, in a fluid process with that. Yeah, so let's talk about how how yoga and meditation like did you like did you go looking for uh to wanting to teach yoga when at like when you were teaching like phys um fitness or did you just kind of come across it and then fell in love with it? How did like that process come about and now like how does you know how do you you know implement yoga and meditation to help you you know slow down that process of when triggers arise and you know allow you to observe them and be like okay that's why that's triggering me right now how can i respond instead of react right well really good the um i really think that i was ready for yoga at at, at a deeper level and it was seated in that moment I shared earlier about the decision because within two days of, of moving to London, I walked into the yoga studio and really I was, uh, I was more aware of practicing yoga because I had been practicing some more yoga um, at a fitness, like again, at the, the fitness level, which is great. Yoga is going to have beautiful benefits, even if we're practicing it at the fitness level. And I was ready for something more. And okay. I went to this yoga studio that was giving that something more. It was a strong yoga practice, which I loved, a sense of community, which I really was longing for, having just moved to a new place, and all the self-development components along with it. And so within, I did yoga every day for 30 days because that was the, the introductory offer. When we do something like that in a, an immersive style, that's usually when it has the greatest impact on us. So for anybody wanting to quickly, quickly elevate, doing a practice for 30 days straight is a really potent way to, to download what's available for you within that practice. And then from there, continue going or from there, choose something different. Um, and so the, the, that particular yoga studio, the House of Yoga in, in London, 
I, I immersed myself in the community and after practicing, I fell in love with it. After practicing for those three days, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the community. I fell in love with the fact that it was more, more than just yoga. And so I started working there. And within several months, I realized, well, I want to teach yoga. I love to teach. Teaching and sharing and, and presenting is a big part of a, a very deep thing that wants to express itself. It's, it's deeper than my conditioned mind. It's deeper than my uh, ego structure. There's something at the soul level that wants to come forth in that way. And I've recognized that. And I give that a lot of attention and energy and, and create opportunities for that. So when I started practicing yoga and, and I started um, my journey as, as a yoga teacher, which for the record, um, most yoga teacher trainings, if they're, if they're worth their salt, I'll say that, um, is a, it is an evolutionary process. It is designed to be an evolutionary process to go from uh, you know, deepening the idea, I want to deepen my yoga, pra my yoga practice. I want to connect with what this is about and yeah. to take that embody it. It needs to be embodied. First of all, that's the most important thing is anybody who's teaching anything who's not embodying it is often missing the point. And that's what I, that's the point I missed for, for years is that I needed to embody something before it became my own. And so that's where, that's where yoga and, and meditation practice had, in tremendous transformational results on me and it works like it's thousands of years old yoga is that before written word before um you know we have documentation of things yoga existed and yoga was past the, the whole philosophy of yoga so much more than what you may think about yoga was passed along orally in traditions from teacher to student and lineages around this elevating consciousness around this how can I expand myself into the present moment and be more present, right? That's, I think that's the gift that we have as a, as a, as a human being. That is the, every religion has its own metaphor for that. And even though yoga isn't, is not a religion, it's still a practice in, in terms of cultivating that very practical, a very practical practice in, tor in terms of meeting that. So yeah, I, yoga found me and I, and I found yoga and I, I had that moment where I felt like there was no ceiling there. And I also had the moment where this is it. This is what I want to do because I was teaching group fitness. I loved it. I still taught group fitness when I was in London, but I felt like now yoga has had such a profound impact on me. This is what I want to teach. Yes. And then shortly after teaching yoga enough, I realized I want to teach something even deeper. I want to, I want to create workshops. I want to create workshops around yoga, around mindfulness, around meditation, because yoga helped me so much um, in transforming. One thing that I remember is transforming my relationship with food. It helped me transform my relationship with food. That was a huge uh, deal for me because even though I lost weight, I still had a very dysfunctional relationship with food. It was it was a hamster wheel. It was yeah. um, very deeply and dysfunctional patterns around my relationship with food that um, I could I couldn't trust myself around food I would binge eat so often and then I would need to exercise so much in order to work yeah. that off because I had this dysfunctional relationship with food if food was sitting on a table I would be a nervous wreck unless it was all gone because I wanted to eat it I couldn't yeah. be with myself so that's you know that's a that's a whole nother conversation even but because of that pain, because of that like dissonance, because of that um, 
what was really painful for me in terms of my relationship with food, I, I again looked for yoga as something to heal, as something to, how can I use this and how can I let it work on me so that I ha improve my relationship with food? And I'm really, really grateful to say, grateful to say that my relationship with food is the best it's ever been. And I can be very easy and enjoy food without yeah. all the baggage that used to come with it. That's important. That's important. Yeah. Now, I, I'm curious because I'm used to like, you know, the yoga where it's like we're going, you know, downward dog to the baby pose to all of these kind of cat and cows and stuff like that. How, how when you are, when you were working in the gym in London, how like do you bring in meditation do you bring in thought process like do you get into a yoga pose and like do mindful meditation breaths like how do you get it so that it's connecting and more than just like uh okay we're going to be here for 30 seconds and then we're going to flow into this move and kind of like what i see now because that's what i like you mm -hmm. said that's what a lot of people think it is or it's that now they have all types of yoga, like, well, I think they, they were all, but they're expanding all the yogas where it's more like flow and fast and strength and this and this and that and that. But how do you bring in like the deeper sense of it? Like, is, are you still doing yoga moves, yeah. but added stuff with it? Like, how does that work? Good. Amazing question. I love that question. There's two things at play here. Uh, when I want to answer this, it's the, there's the the teacher and the, the space that the teacher can hold, like how present is the teacher? Okay, because when you're when you're in the presence of something of somebody who is present, yep, it, it allows a natural unraveling to occur. So if you've ever been in the presence of somebody who's really present, really light, yeah. really open, it allow we I can feel it. Uh, my unraveling starts to happen, right? Yes. So there's there is something to the the quality of presence that a, a teacher can bring to teaching and what what whatever it it doesn't have to be yoga. It can be um, Mark England teaching us about language. It can be yes. somebody you know speaking in front of others, right? It's the yes. quality of presence of that individual that allows us to be more able to get in touch with our own process. The next thing is yoga works. Y yoga is an intelligent, energetic practice. So even when we're moving in through those postures, we are operating it often. Um, it's working on us unconsciously. It's moving energy in our body. And that energy moving in our body has an intelligence to it of disrupting patterns. So we are we are actively disrupting movement patterns in the body by doing yoga. And of course, the mind and the body is connected. And so it's inevitably going to start disrupting patterns in our uh, psyche. It's inevitable. And then the space within a yoga practice or a meditation practice allows us to gives us space, gives us the awareness. If we're, you know, in our journey of meeting that awareness where we are, of being able to observe ourselves, observe our thoughts. One thing that came uh, clear to me in my early yoga practice was how much I judge, how much I'm judging and, and, and projecting. And it was just simply me being on my mat with myself that the awareness came. It's like, wow, I'm constantly looking out and judging um, other people's practice. I'm judging my own practice. I'm comparing myself to others. And simply the awareness of that is enough. 
because the yeah. moment I recognize, I have the awareness of it, I can feel that it's a contractionary experience. I want to move away from it. I want, I want to, I want to break that down. I want to uh, evolve that process in me of judging. And that's so much of what we have in our Western psyche. Our perception is usually oriented outward. So much we're oriented outward, outward, outward. And any practice of mindful movement, yoga, qigong, mindful walk, whatever, it gives us more space to, to orient our attention inward. And then we can be with ourselves. We can be with, we can observe these thoughts that are happening. We can observe the, the energetic quality of it. Does it contract me? Does it feel icky? If so, then, then why the hell am I doing it? And then why does it have its own momentum? And why does it have its own inertia? And, and the reasoning behind that is because we've been practicing it unconsciously. We've repeated that over and over and over and over again. We put brick on brick on brick, repeating yeah. that, that particular pattern of judgment, of comparison, of whatever it is. So of course it has its own inertia. Of course it has its own momentum. And of course we need to take it down one step at a time. But the beautiful thing about these practices is they are like, they're wrecking balls for that kind of thing. They, 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 don't, they don't take things down one brick at, a, brick at a time. They can take it down one wall at a time. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's um, how so what we're doing in a yoga class today and how we can use it very intentionally is to recognize that it's an energetic practice. Trust that the the yoga is working even on levels that are not in our conscious awareness and that, that simple being with ourselves, we start to notice things about ourselves and and simply the noticing is enough. Simply the awareness is enough to start the shift to start the unraveling process of those things which aren't serving us, of those things which are, are dysfunctional. Yes. So how, how, do, how do you allow something that I guess you're maybe holding on to so tightly? How do you, how do you help yourself let go of something whether it's good for you or you think it's good for you or it's just something that you believe in so tightly but it's not like you know what I mean you think it's good for you but it's not good for you like how do you learn to let things go or flow through like flow in flow out how mm -hmm. do you learn to be okay with that process really good question another one uh if something if there's something that comes to mind that we are we become cognizant um, consciously aware, I want to let go of it, and yet it's too big to let go. Let go of it in small pieces. So I can think of, let's say it's a relationship I want to let go of, or, or uh, an argument that I had with somebody that I want to let go of. Yes. Instead of letting go of the whole argument and forfeiting my position in it, can I let go of one small thing? that I said, or can I let go of one small thing that the other person said? And then find the smallest thing that I can let go of and then move on from there. And if there's anything that life has taught me, letting go is a process. Sometimes we are we are blessed with a big transformation, transformational letting go, and it's gone. And that's amazing. More often than not, no, more often than not, though, letting go is a, is a process. It is a step by step because if we could just let go of those things we would wouldn't we yeah so how can i this is the art of meeting ourselves where we are so i'm not ready to let go of the whole thing i just acknowledge that because if i was ready to let go of the whole thing i could let go of the whole thing and it would be done here i am still having holding on to something 
what can I let go of? So simply like, again, slowing down, sitting with ourselves or pen to paper, break it down into smaller parts. What, what can I let go? What can I just, it doesn't matter. What can I say? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. And really feel that the, so that's the, the mental part of it. Let your body inform you on what you're letting go. You will feel letting go. You will feel letting go. Letting go is a, an embodied experience because there's a lightness that is associated with it. Things we're holding on to that are that we are recognizing is not serving us. It's draining us to hold on to that. It's using our energy to hold on to that. So even if you break it into the smallest pieces and 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 recognize, oh, I can let go of that. You'll your body is going to be like, oh, thank God, I let go of that. And then it can be a cascading effect. We can start letting go letting go is awesome it can become cathartic and then all of a sudden we want to let go of everything yes so yeah. meeting ourselves where we are is essential to that process let go let go let go of the you know first i can let go of the pride that isn't letting me go of letting go <laughs> yeah 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 that yes very true very true now with with yoga and meditation did you did did the studio that you work at they combined them obviously right together but were you practicing them separate before you got there and then that was kind of like an eye-opening experience for you like whoa these guys really are powerful put together or did you kind of already do that before you got there my quality of yoga practice before that was only at, like at the level of a like a dabbler yoga would be something i would do very on and off and what i recognized is that with these conscious and intentional practices if we do them uh in a significant quantity i think if it is like a dosage of medicine it's it's absolutely medicine so taking a high dosage of it, it's going to have a a high medicinal impact. And thank God, th there's no such thing really as too much yoga is too much meditation. I, I, I would say that the it's we're much safer doing as much as we want, than worrying about too much. So the idea of of combining self development of my own personal growth was only really married when I started married to as an embodied sense as like, okay, this is happening. I feel the changes. I feel the shifts. I'm waking up to new things. When I started practicing yoga and meditation in a, in a higher quantity, when I started practicing more daily. And so to anybody who's curious about that, I'd say, look, there's something very potent and very special about being a part of a community and knowing that you, you know, you've signed up for a class, you're going to go to a class and there's accountability there. So look for that. And then if that's if that seems too far fetched at this moment, get on YouTube and practice yoga with Adrian or one of these amazing people that have uploaded thousands of videos to YouTube and start there and start practicing. And, and can you talk yourself into convince yourself to practice for 30 days simply for the the um, curiosity of what is it like if I practice for 30 days? What happens? There's nothing, no ulterior motive. There's nothing to achieve or, or attain from it. I, I just want to know what it's like in me to, to have practiced for 30 days and let that see and see what happens with that. I think that um, yoga is like that. And then we can build a personal practice. 
So with, with being in an environment where we are taught and we are led over time and we start to integrate, we start to get the yoga into our bones, so to speak, or the practice, whatever the practice is, like we're talking yeah. about yoga now, but you know, yoga is, it can be everything. Can, it can be working on our words. It can be journaling. It can be playing an instrument, whatever the practice is. Once it gets into your bones, you can start to make it a more creativity wants to come through. So your own essence wants to come through. So you can make a personal practice. You can trust yourself to, to move in a way that feels right because you've done enough movements to know what feels good and you can start going there. Yeah. The other one is meditation. Um, I, I'm a firm believer in a daily meditation practice. And that is, that is the best gift I've ever given myself because that is allowing me to expand that moment that we talked about that is so essential to meeting life and to, and to embodying a rich, rich, valuable, um, delicious life is, is how present can I be? Meditation practice. First of all, I, I distinguish between the word meditation and the word meditation practice. Meditation is a state of being. Meditation is a state of being. Like yoga, we can say it's an experience. So to be in a meditation is where everything dissolves. To be in a state of meditation, everything dissolves and I recognize the inherent truth of oneness, of being in the quantum field, of recognizing that I am one with everything. My breath is everything. And, and, and from that, my, my perception, my life is everything. Yeah. Without, without me being here, there is nothing because I'm the one here experiencing all of this. So I am it, I am all of it. And that's yoga. Yoga dissolves the barriers of the ego. When we put language and, and, and ego to things, we're creating separation. It's like, here's the laptop, it's separate from me. When I'm in a yeah. state of yoga, everything is, or meditation, everything is, is, is in this present moment existing. And so what I say about meditation practice is simply the, the, the practice of sitting down and being with ourselves. And, and more, the more we do that, the more we do that in a constructive way. So have meditation lessons, have, um, you know, sit with guided meditations to connect more deeply with this. And then drip by drip by drip, we can start to experience the more the, the dissolving of the illusion, the dissolving of the, uh, you know, our perceptions and our egos, and we can be in, and, and meditation is a state of bliss. It's a state of, of wonderfulness when there's nothing else. Yes. It's freedom. It's pure freedom and it feels really good. So that's why we want to do it. And in a very practical way, it's very, very difficult for a Western psyche, for Western mind to, to embody the state of meditation. This isn't, this is what we call an enlightened being. This is our Eckhart Tolle. This is our, um, uh, Byron Katie. She's like, she's a, a spiritual teacher in that. These are our spiritual teachers that are enlightened and embodying that for most of us, just a drip of it is, is great is enough. And it, and it influences how we show up in our day. It influences our relationship with our relationships. It influences how we act, how we yeah. respond and everything. So it, meditation is the practice that makes everything better. It's the practice that I see, you know, if you, if you want to get better at your language, if you want to become more conscious of your words, meditate because you're going to become more present and then recognize how your words are influencing you and others. There, there is the basis of any, of any practice starts in how conscious we can be with that. Yeah. For, for, like, I like how you said practices now is, 
is the is sitting down and being with yourself like the best form of practice for meditation is there other ways of meditating like for somebody maybe who you know sitting still for even if they just start with one minute is fine but even you know for them to be like i'm not going to start meditating that way is there other ways that they other practices that maybe somebody can use to help start getting them into meditating that can eventually kind of bring them to the state where they can just be sitting with themselves because for some people to just sit with themselves to even think of that is like no it's not going to happen <laughs> uh that's scary that's like whoa that's a whole bunch of unknown uncertainty fear i don't like that kind of stuff no thank you <laughs> mm -hmm. um so how do you help like how do you help somebody that's like wants to be with themselves wants to observe themselves wants to become one with themselves but is like no that it would not be able to be a way that i can do it amazing question i love it i love this kind of question because it's inviting in all of us to be individual and all of us to be at our own place, our own process, our own journey. And the, the answer to that is to both of those is, is yes, of yes, there are definitely ways to, to get into a meditative state or to experience simply becoming more present, present, uh, throughout our days. And yes, uh, there's value to sitting, um, even even when it's confronting, and to to see if, see how much we can grow into that as well. Because I I want to put my support to a seated meditation practice. That is, uh, even if you're I'm I'm a person that stillness was not natural, not easy for me. I love to move. I my mind yeah. is busy. My mind is busy, 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 and I yeah. still. Um, I, I allowed myself to have a busy mind. It's okay to have a busy mind. And, uh, and, the, and the big uh, misconception about meditation is that, that I need to stop my thoughts. And, and then all of a sudden we're overwhelmed by how many thoughts we have because we've stopped and started paying attention. And then yeah. that, <laughs> that becomes overwhelming because aren't I supposed to stop my thoughts? And what the hell am I supposed to do with all these thoughts? I, I'm failing at this, right? So that, yeah. so all these things start to, to rise up. Now, if you give your permission to have yourself permission to have a busy mind, then great, you can sit and meditate and with, with a busy mind and see what comes up as you're trying to be still and, and how aggravating and how agitating it is and be like, oh my gosh, I'm agitated. I really want to fidget. I really want to move. And, and this is terrible. And, and, how what to what degree can you be in that to what degree can you be curious about that because that's all judgment everything everything i described was was you casting a a judgment upon what's happening and so this is the this is actually the the very beautiful root of it all is when we're when we when we make what's happening wrong we are suffering and so all of, all of suffering, all, it doesn't matter, like we, we tend to think of suffering as like a um, starving child in Africa or, or, you know, people displaced. There is that suffering and, and that is, that's very real suffering. And then there's also suffering that is just simply disagreeing with the present moment, disagreeing with what is. 
If I yeah. disagree with things how they are, then of course I'm going to suffer. And so recognizing that that's just layers of judgment upon what is. So I'm simply asking, how can I embrace what is? How can I learn to have a, a different relationship with what is? A lot of that can come from mindset. A lot of that can come from shifting, 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 practicing the shift, practicing seeing it differently. And then you get to a, a place where you can just accept what is, is. And then the freedom that comes from that is total. It's complete freedom. And then the creativity that comes from that freedom is, is the most authentic, beautiful expression of who you are. So I encourage people to find the different ways that get them into a medita meditative state, whether it's practicing yoga, going for a walk in nature, get like leaving your uh, device behind so yep. that you can, you can be with yourself. And, and remember, we're, we need to act before we think we're ready in, in some things, in some things like this. So if you feel like you're not ready to sit in meditation, that's a great time to sit and meditate and, and be with that. There's a, there's a hilarious proverb or, you know, one, one of the sayings from the, one of our yogis that we give credit to for bringing yoga to the West. Um, and he says, if, if you, if you don't, let's see, if you don't have time to med meditate, then you should meditate for an hour or something to that point. You know, it's like, if you don't yeah. have time, then it, then it's essential because that's the illusion, right? That's, that's the, that's the illusion. So I, in honor, in order to do justice to meeting you where you are, I say, do whatever you need to, to be with yourself, whether it's walking, connecting with nature, looking at flowers. Um, this is what mindfulness is. So, so you've probably heard of mindfulness meditation as a practice. And, and this is, this is a really awesome practice for, for inclusivity and meeting everybody where they are in their journey. And you can start your journey simply by no, noticing more things that are happening in the present moment, the sounds, what you're feeling, what your field of thought is in, in this moment, what, uh, what you're smelling and, and, and expanding that. It's like to be aware of being aware. Oh, I'm smelling this smell. Let me smell it. Let me be with it. Right. And then, and then to know that everything that, that, that confronts us when we become still or when we, when we slow things down, we can allow that to confront us or we can accept it. We can just be with our, with the, instead of suffering from the, from the nature of judgment, we can be open. We can be curious. I, I often say that curiosity is the antidote to judgment. And that's something that I learned early in practicing yoga is that if I shift from if I notice myself being judgmental, so that's the first piece. I notice myself judging and projecting. Now I have the opportunity because I noticed it, I can change it. There's my free will. There's my superpower. What can, so if I'm judging, what can I be curious about? Yes. I'm, I'm making up, I'm making up things instead of being curious about it. So a yes. very profound shift. And it starts with that. I have to become, I have to recognize that I'm doing it for, for myself to be able to make the shift. Yeah. So yeah, everything that, that allows us to be with ourselves, let's practice that and notice and, and, and with the awareness and in, in my opinion, cultivating a seated meditation practice is a very, very potent practice, very powerful, um, especially if you think that it's not for you.
<laughs> and then it's really for you. Right. <laughs> um, you I want to dive into to, you know, you shifting from, you know, working in the studio to creating workshops on your own. And I see that you have like a work, like a workbook and all that kind of stuff. Yes. Let's talk about that. Like, was there like a, like a, was that like a momentum? Was it a shift? Was it kind of like, I want to maybe try this out, see how it goes. Or it was like, no, this is what I know I need to be doing kind of like another shift it was it was recognizing that simply teaching a yoga class wasn't as fulfilling to me as uh, as creating an experience a deeper experience and so it, as i got more i would say more aligned more tuned in that's a great way to put it more tuned in to what was uh, serving me, what what gave me juice, what you know, I was enthusiastic about, is I recognized that um, sometimes teaching, as fulfilling as it was, more fulfilling for me, uh, certainly than what I had been doing, still there was something to be desired. So I've wanted to express more and to and to make a bigger space for that expression and to create a, a container for other people to have an experience that is deeper because i'm so lit up by the deep experiences of life like the, the for me that's what life is about that's that's enough the rest yeah. can take care of itself and so i want to i really want to hold that space and be you know make a container for others to have these beautiful huge uh, momentous experiences even if it's the smallest thing it can lead to a much bigger shift. And so that's that's something that informed me to want to um, to want to do workshops, to want to teach workshops. And I've noticed in myself the desire to climb, whatever it was, it, when it was engineering, it was climb. When it was, um, when I got into fitness, it was climb. I mean, I got into ultra marathons, into Ironman triathlon. I mean, I climbed, right? Same thing with yoga, I wanted to climb. And I yeah. wanted to, uh, so that's part of my nature. That's something that's there. And I've realized that the, there's, I've finally defeated the dragons, so to speak, of needing to do it for any other reason than just simply wanting to do it. So there's nothing to prove anymore. It's simply because I love doing it. And so for, I got very lucky and, and it, I, Luck is a vibration, by the way. So luck is a vibration. Luck is not something that that happens um, sporadically. It's we attract that. We attract opportunities, right? And that's what we would say. Yes. Is, okay. So because I am who I am, I attracted opportunities uh, to work with a friend who was building a yoga school based in Canada and also operating internationally. And I met him in London. So it's uh, Happy Jack Yoga. And okay. I met Jack, he was he was facilitating yoga teacher trainings at the House of Yoga, which is a studio I started teaching at in London. And Jack is super inspiring. And so when my visa expired and I needed to leave London, which I was slightly devastated about, uh, and I and I ended up going for it, I went to India to meet Jack to partake on his his yoga retreat in India. Now, thanks to a conversation I had in my yoga teacher training, instead of India being a two or three week thing, and then I go back to the States, India became a six month thing where I stayed and I continued um, learning and teaching and practicing 
myself it, it in india is where yoga is from india is where we have our roots in yoga and authentic yoga too yoga in terms of a, a full evolution of consciousness and reprogramming so in unlearning um so jack mentioned to me about him wanting to to lead yoga teacher trainings and, and have a yoga school and asked if I wanted to be a part of it. And I said, absolutely, yes, I, I want to do that. And so working with Jack was a, a rocket ship for me because I went from from being a relatively a new yoga teacher to um, learning and immersing myself in the culture of yoga and practicing and really embodying it to offering being offered the opportunity to support a new yoga school that that when you make a yoga school and when you make a yoga teacher training, especially with the intentions that that Jack has, it's got to be deeper than just the physical practice. And so I was all for it. And so we worked together for a few years of um, creating Happy Jack Yoga and and building up the trainings and offering um, other trainings that I started to lead and I started facilitating workshops for the trainings. And I was afraid most of the time or nervous or anxious. But I said yes, because it's what I very much wanted to do. And so every opportunity to teach a workshop at that stage was like nervous, like, who am I? What do I know? Um, I, do I know enough to make a difference or do will what I experience I create make a difference? Will it be impactful? I wanted all of those things. And of course, the only way to do that and to grow uh, in that is to is to do it is to be a student of of action and learning from from charting the path ahead, so to speak. So thanks to to Jack and um, and that yoga school, which is a beautiful, vibrant community online right now, um, I was able to do that. And then that that lasted for several years where I was nomadic for um, traveling all over the world to certain amazing destinations and communities to teach yoga teacher trainings. And then when um, when the lockdowns happened from uh, the pandemic, I was confronted again with my spirit wants to go everywhere and wants to do do everything. And I thought, well, <laughs> I certainly am not up with this lockdown <laughs> situation. Um, I did shift into teaching online and still connecting with community around the world where it's available. And through teaching online, I've started again teaching at the, the yoga studio with where I started my journey. And so now I'm facilitating yoga teacher trainings with them and it's so rewarding. It's so good. So I get to be a part of the system that, that I'm a product of and yeah. to watch people's transformations and to be a part of that. And, um, all on the side, I have created my book on meditation. It's a guidebook. It's, it's combining meditation journaling, two of the practices that I know are essential towards this process of evolving ourselves to knowing ourselves, to meeting ourselves where we are to becoming more authentic, more true, more aligned. So um, I'm working on my brand. I notice in myself, it's much, it's a much steeper or it's a much slower climb of working on my own brand. Um, I notice that I, I tend to want to work with others. And so I'm still doing that and I'm taking, you know, steps every day in that. And I'm excited for what that creates. And what I've created already with that is, um, a, a wonderful group around the world of people who are meditating and have really seen the value of meditation practice. Like that's the the huge thing for me is I want I want you to meditate 30 days in a row so that you can you can see it. You can have the value. You can get the download. A lot of times when we start these, this is a 
awesome metaphor that just comes to mind. A lot of the times when we start these practices, we're downloading, 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 and we close it. We close the tab before we finish downloading because we already made the de decision that it isn't serving us. So yeah. I want to download the full file and then open it up and see what's there before making that decision. It's okay if it doesn't serve you, but download the whole thing. Uh, give it a fair trial, give it a fair try. Um, that's something that I cut myself short many times. We call it self-sabotage because we're unwilling to, to go the distance. Often we overwhelm ourselves with, with thinking it needs to be this big thing, but just one day at a time, let's yep. practice first and then make a decision about it. So yeah, thanks for asking that question. Uh, it's awesome to reflect on the journey. Yeah, I wanna talk about journaling because you've mentioned it a couple of times. Now, for some people, it's like they don't know what to journal. They don't know how to journal. Um, do you have like a, a like obviously you you did it in your workshop. Like how do you how do you find is best to really help unleash people and their thoughts and their emotions and and stuff? How did you, how do you help people get it out through your work workbook? Yeah, journaling for me is something that that far preceded. Uh, yoga my my getting connected with yoga practice and journaling is a yoga practice. i could say journaling is a yoga practice it connects us with ourselves um my mother passed away when i was 22 and my mother was a huge influence in the path i had chosen early on as i as i um mentioned before that i felt like i was doing her right and and making her proud by being an engineer i felt the pressure of it and uh you God bless and God rest my mother's soul. Uh, her passing away was one of the most uh, transformational gifts I've ever received because I could start uh, to. Hello? Can you hear me? Hello? Hello? I hear you now. I lost you there for a bit. I lost you after you mentioned you lost your mom. Yes, good. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay, awesome. We can edit it. Yes. Um, so yeah, I, I was talking about my how my mother influenced my journaling. And when my mother passed away, and, and that's a like, that's a we could talk about that at uh, another time about how that influenced me greatly and in, in, in profound and in, in great ways of of losing somebody I love very much. And also the transformational catalyst that was for me. Um, she left behind a whole bunch of journals that she never used. And so, uh, you know, as I was packing up the things, there's a box of journals there that, uh, you know, my mother really collected them. And I, I vowed to myself that I was going to fill my life, put my life into these journals. And from then I started journaling. I, and and this, in terms of the practice, that's a, that's a really good thing to notice for others is that where to start like what am i supposed to journal and this is the thing that interrupts our flow so often is we think there's a certain way we should be doing it we think it's we 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 wonder if we're doing it right and if if we're not doing it right then i'm wasting my time so if to the best ability can you break that down and let that go and drop that because uh, there's so much to be gained from it and a really great practice for journaling for beginners is the um, uh it is 
the artist's way and it's morning pages so the artist's way is a book um i think it's written by a woman named julia cameron and she, it's a wonderful awesome book about allowing ourselves to be more creative and and have a creative flow and writing is a big part of that and so her morning pages practice is simply you sit down with your pen and paper and you write three pages and you write whatever comes up and so what tends to happen is people realize as they're sitting there writing it's like whoa there's so much there that i wasn't even aware of yeah. and it that is that isn't a practice of being still and more things can come up and so so journaling is a really wonderful practice of of getting things out that are coming up things that we didn't realize we're operating in the background but we're expending all that energy all that um like th think of it as a computer with way too many tabs open when we start to journal we can start to get that shit out of our system and start to see it on paper and then it can it can be let go of much easier so in terms of like when we were talking about letting go easier writing it down write down it break it down um it's also a wonderful tool for self-reflection and self-growth writing down what we want to have happen we can ha we can totally hack our reticular activating system with a journal with a pen and paper because it's it's a conscious choice to to say i'm going to put on paper what i want to put my attention to and then that serves as a reminder that when i become present and i recognize that my attention is elsewhere i can shift it yep so for people wanting to start a journaling practice morning pages is really good and and again it's one of those things where you hear a lot of people talking great things about the, the practice of journaling until you know until you know you don't know so give it a fair trial um commit you can commit to journaling for 30 days and doing morning pages 30 um three pages a day set your timer 15 minutes and just get get the stuff in your head the contents in your head onto paper and let that and let the rest take care of itself and then see what happens after 30 days yes it's your goal it's your goal to discover yeah it, it really is it really really is now when you're in the in the journey of you know self-discovery and things like that you kept bringing up the word embody now mm -hmm. in order to embody something do you have to first let go of what's not serving you um like is there space for you to embody like how does that work? Do you embody what you become and then you release or do you have to release to embody? How did just, is it a little bit of both? I love that question. So you are asking like the best questions. I'm loving it. Um, thank you. Do we embody something and then let go or do we need to let go and then embody? I would say there's a, there's a both a hand in hand process happening here. Um, the, the big, deception that we can do to ourselves is think that I need to be somewhere else than I who I am right now or something else or something needs to change for me to start something. So that's a that's a big old fat lie on your ego that's threatened by the change. Call that out, call it out saying, if I want to start some some practice or embodying something, uh, we and like let's talk about what is embodying it. It can be it can take so many forms. I say talk about the yoga practice, um, and and myself embodying the yoga practice, meaning I'm practicing yoga, and then I'm practicing the the elevated qualities that come from yoga. How I live my life, how I relate to others, how present am I? These are all 
ways of embodying the yoga practice, meaning I'm bringing it into my life. It's, it's, it's coming out. So you want to embody an artist, create art, make time in your day to create art, let go of any preconception of what art is supposed to be, write stuff down, draw stuff, play, play a musical instrument, sing, whatever it is for you. Creativity is art. So that's it. If you want to embody a speaker uh, or public speaker, then start speaking publicly. Start um, embodying that even with your friends at dinner. Say, I'm going to say something that's on my mind and, and this is my chance to be a public speaker. And, and, ha and like take steps in whatever direction that is. Yes. So embody em embodiment by virtue is, is, is what will disintegrate all the different facades, all the different um, layers that we put up against that new identity. Embodiment is what we do to walk the path in order to forge something we want to create for ourselves. And so waiting for, uh, for ourselves to be ready is a complete illusion. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's definitely a trick of the ego to hold us back. So what I say when, when you are confronted with that is simply notice it. That's enough. Notice that, 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 that uh, oh yeah, I'm, I'm feeling threatened by taking this action. I'm feeling that this, I'm feeling resistance here. And then the art, the skill, the, the, the superpower becomes to do it, even, even when that insecurity arises and then allow that to create that that's you being amazing creative force as, as best a human being can be is to walk that path, whatever it looks like for us. Yes. I love how you talk about, you know, observing now when when feelings i should say because like everything is what we perceive it as right there's no feeling that's like good or bad it's just what we preserve like observe those feelings things are now do you believe that we have to let's say the negative feelings the unwanted feelings do we have to be able to are you someone that believes that we have to really be able to embody and feel those emotions to the highest degree in order to really feel the opposite end like do you have to do you have to feel all of it in order to really be in bliss i should say of like who you are and to be able to really be present because for some people they're like no I, I i feel happy and i don't i i push away everything that's bad and i'm i still feel happy do you really think that they are happy or do you think it's like a facade a facade like uh uh they, they think that they're happy but they don't really know what happiness is like you know what i mean i totally know what you mean and that's a like that's a question i still explore myself uh do we do i choose only positive thoughts do I disregard everything that's deeper or negative or, or um, shadowy? We'll talk about it shadow. It's like from the unconscious, right? Uh, my, my answer to that is to become skillful, to, to become skillful in life really is to become skillful, is to become adept in that very process. So I'm a firm believer that if we get triggered into something in life, and, and a bunch of negativity and, and insecurity arises, the, the, the most efficient, I'm a believer in my, in my own practice, the most efficient way to move through that is to go right into the center of it, is to go right into the center of it. And instead, because 
we can adopt the mechanism of of pushing it away pushing it push away no 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 thank you no thank you yep. which that has its value at, at different times though so if we are met with this and it's something that we we would normally suppress or repress the opportunity for reprogramming is to go into the center of it and to feel it we have a term feel it to heal it in yoga yep. or in in different um healing traditions right and and the idea behind this is again it's another it's another reprogramming because everything that you any of these spiritual practices the, these practices of self-development and evolution they use the the symbolism of the flame and the flame the fire is what transforms and the fire burns away everything that is not real and so if we feel the intensity of that flame arising us everything that is in pain is not real it's not us and so go this is very it's almost masochistic but go into the flame and allow yourself to be transformed be 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 willing to um go into that darkness and go right into the center of it and realize it's a big illusion it's it's just something i made up it's just something that i thought was real that's the for me that's the most valuable richest way to live because when I when I do that, then I the intent I love intensity. Like it's something that's that's valuable for me. I feel alive. And so even the biggest grief or the biggest sadness or the biggest anger has its other side to it. And if I allow myself to go into the center with present, here's the here's the big caveat with presence, knowing yes. full well that you're walking into the fire and and opening your like it is a broken heart does not need to be a closed heart. So you go into it with an open heart and open mind and willingness to allow and to allow what's there to move. And when we show our, our deepest aspects of ourself that I'm willing to do that, then it no longer holds any power over us. It no longer holds any power over us. And so the other the other side of that is is happy thoughts only good vibes only. Um, I'm using my conscious will to swat away everything. And it's it's only gonna keep coming back. It's only gonna keep coming back and it'll come back in different forms because it it needs to show itself to you, these shadow aspects. So we, and really in healing, we talk about integrating. We talk about integrating, meaning like, okay, I I no longer choose to abandon that part of myself, which is, it, it has to be a part of myself if I'm experiencing it. I yes. can bring it in and integrate it. And this is the transformation. This is the transformation. The, the idea that we, we, again, we project into the future our beliefs about what has to happen or what will happen if I go into it. That's, again, the illusion that gets burned away. So then with, with that skill, with that practice of going to the center of things, and you start to, to burn away a whole bunch of stuff that's not serving you. And it, if we do it with awareness, we're even working on the unconscious because the the whole like animal part of the brain um, is driven towards this thing. And then the conscious mind is like, what are you doing? This is crazy, this is crazy. But we're yeah. burning away the, the, the fear that, that this, this thing, whatever it is, entity will kill us, or it, it will uh, at some deeper unconscious level is a threat to us. We get to see it for what it is. And then life becomes much less threatening uh, in so many different ways because we can go through it. We can, we can really walk ourselves through the fire. And that's 
superpower. And in life, and for me, life becomes better for, for that, richer for that. Now, I want to I want to continue to elaborate because I, I hope that this connects dots with people. When I say with awareness, I mean doing it with presence as instead of indulging. So we can go into the negative and be pulled into it as an indulgence. Okay. Because that again reinforces the beliefs about ourselves. Say we have some self-sabotage mechanism that as soon as we start taking steps towards dismantling that, we get pulled right into this um, story of not good enough. And, and then the, of course, the external environment will manifest around that. We start behaving in that way. We start bringing in the, those things. That's yep. indulging. That's indulging. So that is not, that's letting the unconscious run the show. So when I say do it with awareness, do it even if scared half to death to step in the other direction. Because when you get pulled into that, the fear is actually going the other way. The, 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 the insecurities are actually going towards what you want to happen. So the yeah. indulging is the safe place. And it seems like it's the dark place. Go towards the light. That's where, that's where the, the insecurities get burned away. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, good. Yes. It's not it's not just about going to the dark. It's about going to the light because there's just as many insecurities that come up in there. Yes. I like that. Oh, that is so good. Yes. That's yeah. That's something I've lived and it is very interesting to live that to be informed through experience and I have had teachers and guides with me for that because it's actually been a very intense year for me at an emotional level, like at a sensitivity level. So I've, I've been um, navigating that and being a, an explorer with that as present as I can be. And it's, it's fascinating. It's cool. It's rich. Yeah. I like that you brought up healing. Cause I do want to talk a little bit about that before we, we end off. How has meditating and, and yoga impacted your healing and do you believe we all as humans have healing to do awesome question before yoga if you asked me what healing was i would have said you get a cut and it goes away and that's healing so i had no no concept of a deeper idea of healing at an emotional level but i had all this baggage with me at the same time like i my mother's death was significant and i carried baggage with that my uncle uh, took his life when I was younger. That was significant. I took baggage with that. The, the, it, the general climate, um, uh, emotional dynamic I grew up in, the household, I had baggage from that. I'd say baggage in terms of like, we could say trauma as well. But I just say it's, I'm carrying it with me and it's unresolved. It hasn't, I haven't given it the light of day. I haven't allowed it to integrate and, and allowed it to digest. So, uh, Thanks. Thank you, yoga practice, meditation practice for for allowing me to recognize the deeper aspects of what healing is. And I think that it's like this, it's if we become obsessed with a healing journey, then we're only going to manifest things that need to be healed. There's a there's a play at at hand that we do the work and then we step out of the work and live life. And then we do the work and we step out of the work and live life. That is that is one way to, to pursue this, this journey. And so that, you know, in, in real terms, we're all connect. This is, maybe this sounds woo woo, or maybe it, um, maybe it's not your reality, 
in, in my reality, in my experience, we, we are all connected. Each breath is, is a connection to everything from this planet Earth to all the planets to all the universe. In the present moment, everything simply is. And so that means I can take responsibility for healing all the trauma of humanity, healing all the everything that's ever gone wrong and every every trauma that's ever happened. I could I could take responsibility for that and I could let let my life be about that. And some people have done that. Mother Teresa, people like this just make their whole life about that. And so if that's your spiritual calling, then I would say, yeah, like go for it. And if it's not your spiritual calling, find out what it is and then heal, allow what your calling is to be your healing. So here's an example. I want to, I want to put myself out in front of, front of others and spread a message of, um, becoming more present, becoming more connected. How can we become more vulnerable and interact with each other in a way that builds bridges instead of burns them? How can we live a, a life of, of richness and light and beauty? In order for me to put myself out there, I've got to heal everything inside of me that is afraid of standing out and, and, and being that voice. So all the, the insecurities, all the I'm not enough, all the doubts, not, not even from my own early childhood, from my ancestors, that's there. And so every time I feel that insecurity, I feel that nervousness, I feel that anxiousness, it is my opportunity to be with that, with awareness, to burn it away, to create a different story. By, by acting, I'm creating the different story. It doesn't end by just shifting the narrative in our head. It needs to be lived for me to be real. So that's healing. And do I think everybody, I, I don't know, it's not my business. Or it is my business if somebody comes to me and, and wants to work on things, right? Um, and do I think that um, everyone needs to heal something? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I like that. Um, within, uh, within, I love that you said that if you're healing during it, like that's what you're going for, then like just the same, the reticular system is just going to, it's going to constantly bring you things that you need to heal. Mm-hmm. Um, how, <clears throat> how for you has healing something, um, like whether, like you said, some sort of baggage, how has opening up one of your baggages? and unloading it and discovering all that has been there how has that helped you move you forward in in your career to really be able to then help someone else you know open up their luggage i should say that's wonderful um it allows me to to have a bigger an even bigger window for accepting everything that anybody else could be going through so if I've been able to walk myself through something, um, let's say the process of healing, it is, it's just that, it's a, it's a process. So it's a, it's a, it can be a big thing, it can be a, a quick shift. Usually it's a, an integration over time of parts, right? So if I allow myself to walk that path, then I have, I have greater awareness for what others might be experiencing. And I also have a greater acceptance for everything that somebody could throw at me. If I allow myself to see the darkest corners of my life and of, of, you know, what I've been through, then nothing else that somebody else can bring to me can, can intimidate my, my ability, my willingness to help them. So there's nothing I would shrink from. There's, there's nothing I would shrink from in terms of, of helping people. And it's because I've uh, walked my path and, and, and gone as far as I, as I can 
and there's I'm sure there's other things that could present themselves. When I get presented with it, I walk it, I do my best with it, and it allows me to be more present with someone else, be more. And that's and like that is the big thing. Or we were talking about what makes um, a yoga class or or yoga practice more deep is like the how how present can that person be with you? Because in somebody's presence, we can become and we can we can unravel, we can be vulnerable. And simply this unraveling is the healing. It's the it's the weight coming off. It's the story being unlearned. It's the story being seen differently. It's the acceptance of what was and seeing the beauty in it. And one thing in my journey that I've that I actually want to share if anybody's walking this similar path is to not project my journey onto others and to not think that the way I operate in life is how somebody is supposed to operate is to really give that to them. And and this is the essence of holding space and not think that they need to be doing something different than they are. So I, I definitely took some years in my journey to, to recognize that I project, I, I feel like I know how to fix somebody and, and really the true art of, of being a healer is that there's nothing to fix. It's just simply, it is what it is. And so with that capacity, everybody can, can be their own healer. So there's, yes. we, we are only healers of ourself and, and, the, and the rest are holding space. The rest are just allowing us. Yeah. Speaking of holding space, I want to talk about community because you went from, you know, being in person to building your online kind of little community. How important is it for you to hold, to create a sense of community? Um, and do you find that the people that are in your community just naturally become a part of it? Have you had people come in and kind of rustle up some feathers in your community? Cause they're just like, I don't know what this, like how do you bring about your community so that people know what it is, people feel safe in it, people uh, can learn from it, you know what I mean? Um, how do you create your community of yoga and meditation and healing and all of that stuff? I uh, I embody my practice, so I walk my talk. I I mean, it can be a very simple answer. I walk my talk, and I let the rest take care of itself. Now, um, in terms of community, it's it's essential for me. Community has always played a role in my my joy in life and my taking my next steps. So even when uh, we all have migrated to more online, I still made my trips to Mexico where I could be with community with friends that I have there. Um, I'm really grateful to now be connected with a, a local yoga studio that's having classes, you know, in person still. And so that's, that is a huge aspect for me being in person, huge aspect for me, because I love that quality of experience. And in terms of the online one, if it resonates with people, they stay if, if, if they want to find something else, they go and I'm there to support them for that. So um, I have been in trainings where feathers are rustled. I have been, I've, I've rustled feathers and, um, you know, it's always a learning experience for both of us. Should we try, I make it a learning experience for myself. And the more I can just like, yeah, accept that it is what it is. They, they want to have, of course they want to have their own perception. Why would I argue with that? And, and instead of allowing my ego to get involved in that, I just let the tools and the, you know, the practices do their work, their magic. And then the rest, like I said, my, one of my favorite things, the rest takes care of itself. 
Yes, yes, yes. So what, what haven't, like, what do you have coming up? Where can my, where can my listeners find you? Where can they attend any of your sessions, your workshops? What do you got going on? Yeah, thanks for asking. In October, I'm hosting a 30-day meditation program, and that is along with my book, which is I've recorded those meditations. So you, you could go on that journey every day, listen to a guided meditation I've recorded, and then that's your meditation for the day, and you could take that for 30 days. And if you decide to have the book with that, you can. It's a, you know, there's journaling prompts, there's information about the meditation practice in there, and I do that um, on and off basically every other month um as long you know kind of looking at the other things i'm facilitating 200 hour teacher trainings and um additional like continuing education yin yoga teacher trainings um so different different trainings and, and also self-development trainings with the schools i work with uh the house of yoga namely and with a dear friend of mine we we are we created a online facilitator training for people who want to hold space in a in a more sacred way in a more ceremonial way sitting in a circle like a woman's circle or men's circle or cacao ceremony if, if you're unfamiliar it's it, it's a, it's another circle where we can be vulnerable and open up and share and, and be a community and, and commune um so sacred spaces is a training we're we're giving online um our next one is in october 2nd and we'll continue to do those and hopefully do one in person um, Kirsty, she's she's my uh, sister, my dear friend that I work with, and that she's done one of them in person, and then we've done a couple um, uh, online and are are continuing that. And so hopefully our vision is to when when the world is more comfortable being in person again, we're going to do that in person, and very excited about that. Yeah, that is so exciting! It's so exciting. So Jeff, before we hop off, I want to ask you my final question. What mm -hmm. is your perspective on positivity? What is my perspective on positivity? Uh, positivity, it comes and it goes. And we are, we have, everybody has a different natural predisposition towards how they're engaging with life. That that's even goes beyond like the, the story. So we have a natural inclination in our life and I, I think I'm I'm an eternal optimist, totally. And I wouldn't want to I, I wouldn't want to live any other way because being optimistic feels good. It gives it gives me life. And I, again, similar to how I've answered some of the other questions, if somebody is not positive about something, I don't. Tr I I be myself, like I let myself be positive, but I don't try. I don't need to change their negativity. I don't need to change it. Um, I would I would. You can make questions that send the mind in different directions and hopefully there's a there's a positive outlook on there but generally i again let people be what they be what they are but optimism is so i want to take that from a sense of its destiny to how it can be cultivated in practice right because optimism and positivity are are absolutely skills that can be practiced and strengthened so there's so there's something to be aware of in the nat natural inclination of somebody's personality, and that varies. And then you can uh, cultivate more po uh, positivity and optimism in your life. And it's a simple, again, like simple, not necessarily easy, of of waking up to our awareness and remembering what we're focusing on. Do I have a doomsday scenario uh, that simply 
manifests all the time when I project in the future. If I can become aware of that, I can I can look around and see, all right, well, so I I here's my natural doomsday. Now, what could I look at? What could go right? What could go right? This is the best question ever, right? What could go right? We're we're focusing on what could go wrong so much. What could go right? So in that moment of like, oh yeah, there's there's the negativity. Let I'm aware of the negativity. It's there. It's okay. I don't need to I don't need to shame my negativity or judge it. What could go right though? Like what else is there? Yeah. Right? So this this is the the way we can frame it in our mind. And then again, like let the body reinforce that because our emotions, our feelings are are in essence a lot of patterning. And so if I can repattern and be like allow myself to become more attached to a positive outcome, then I can bring that into being because that's then my energy signal. That's then my, what I'm continuing to put my energy towards. That's the seed I'm choosing to water, yeah. right? So positivity is a, is a, it's a tool. It's a, it's an, it's an ability that we can cultivate and foster. And it's very useful for, if you want to enjoy life, positivity is, is more nice from my side of the fence. I like positivity. <laughs> I am with you on that. Good. Awesome. Honestly, I could keep chatting and going and going and going. I got stuff to do, though, so I can't. But, Jeff, thank you so very much um, for joining me today. Thank you for unleashing all of your beautiful knowledge and wisdom. And there's so much here for my listeners to grab and take hold of. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate you and all that you're doing to make this world a better place. And you are certainly shining your light and uh, it's beautiful. So thank you. Cause you doing that is allowing others to shine their light and the world just becomes beautiful when everyone's just truly shining their light. So thank you. Thank you, Candace. Thank you for your awesome questions. I get so much life so much life out of answering those you asked freaking great questions so i love that thank you thank you thank yeah. you thank you awesome thanks everyone